0: Pel mic, and I need it, so I'm going to go around and grab the, the the pel mic. Excuse me for a moment. So it's good to see all of you here this morning. I hope you had a good week. Um, the Kim family had a very interesting week um, last, I think f- Friday or Saturday. Um, one of us or all of us had some bad food, and for the past about, or for the next three or four days, I think it knocked out three of the four of us. Micah survived, which is good, but the rest of us had a very bad stomach flu, um, so I hope you survived last week. I know some of you um, got sick as well, but anyway, it's glad. To, I'm glad to see those of you here, um, and I'm glad to see that you've recovered as well. Let's see here if this turns on it's yep we're on this week was an also this week was also an interesting week in the news. Um, I'm curious did anyone here follow the Larry Nasser trials or did any of you see some of the uh, news, newspaper headlines? so there's a chief physician he's the chief coordinator for the United States of America gymnast, uh, gymnastics team, and basically. There are over 160 people, 160 women, young women, who kind of came forward saying that they had been abused by this doctor over the course of his career. And this is pretty massive news, uh, partly because of his predatorial characteristics and how he actually treated these young women. Um, But the other part of the trial that was really interesting for me was the system... that kind of protected him and what I mean by that is he's quite a prominent physician and so he worked at Michigan State University as a doctor there, as a as a athletic physician and when these girls had kind of come forward claiming that they had been abused, um, the system kind of protected Larry Nasser. and so there were times where the president of the university would kind of scoff at these Girls' testimonies, and they would basically protect this individual. Not only that, um, he was also the physician of the gymnastics team, of course, and that board also protected him. And so, what's happened since this morning is that there have been resignations from the president of Michigan State University, which is quite significant, and the Um, United States Olympic Committee basically sent a letter to the Gymnastics Association saying, if every single one of the board members don't resign, uh, we are going to pull accreditation from you and you can no longer run, um, you can no longer organize these athletic um, events. And that's pretty significant. I think there are 21 board members. And so they're saying you just need to completely start and redo culture and you need to implement safe places training essentially. And so it's kind of, Very unique for someone to watch these massively successful institutions then experience this um, culture change, if you will, because of this very issue of um, protecting an abuser. And so um, today's sermon is Lessons from Joseph, a story of success. We're going to be talking about what the Bible says about success, how to define success, how to achieve it, and how to sustain it and the reason why I bring this news article to the forefront um, is because i think sometimes we look at success and say oh look the united states gymnastics team it's like it has a culture of winning gold medals and yet there's this massive massive problem in this successful organization or if you look at michigan state university it has a very successful athletic program and at the same time you have someone who's key to that program who is absolutely destroying the lives of these athletes and so I want to look at how the Bible addresses this issue of success. We've been going through a series in the life of Joseph. Last week, Jinha talked about belonging and how in moments of solitude and loneliness, when nobody gave Joseph community, Joseph clung to the presence of God. Today, we're going to be talking about success. So, Joseph is born into a wealthy family Um, And this story is kind of unique in that he's born into success, but also Joseph has to create his own success. He becomes successful in his own right. So just to give you a little bit of background story, Joseph's born into wealth. Um, Let's see if I can get this to work here. I want to look at some of Joseph's family lineage by way of introducing this individual joseph's great-grandfather was very wealthy his name's abram his name later on changes to abraham but the bible says that abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold and so his great-grandfather did really well not only that His grandfather is also wealthy. If you look at Genesis 26, 12, and 13, his grandfather's name is Isaac. And the Bible says that Isaac planted crops in the land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. So once again, um, his family is used to wealth and prosperity. And of course, Joseph's dad, Jacob, Genesis chapter 30 verse 43 says, In this way the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. And so Joseph, basically, he's kind of born with this proverbial silver spoon in his mouth. I'm going to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 37. For those of you who have those white Bibles in front of you, I'm going to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 37. This is page 33 and we're going to be going through chapters 37 and chapters 39 throughout this message and so I'm just going to invite you to keep your hand in these pages and to read along as I um, go through this story as I narrate the story verse 3 the Bible says that Jacob Loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph a beautiful robe. And so not only is Joseph born with a silver spoon in his mouth, he's born into a large family and he's the favorite. And the way that we know this is that he gets this. Tunic and what the Bible translates it here is as a tunic of many colors Um, But what I want to highlight here is that in the Bible when it uses this word many colors or it's pronounced pass It's actually defined differently. It's the 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 word pass is not defined many colors the definition here is uh, properly the palm of the hand or sole of the foot and so the implication here is When Jacob makes Joseph this tunic or this jacket or this robe, it's not a colorful robe. Rather, it's a robe that's quite long in length. Um, It goes to his palms. It goes to his feet. And basically, it communicates Joseph is a man of prominence. He is born into nobility, but his other brothers and siblings do not receive this type of tunic. There's a, another time in the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 18, where the same word is used. Um, and this is in reference to King David's daughter, Tamar. And it says, Now she had on a robe of many colors, and it's the same word, pass, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And so how can you tell if someone is royalty in the time of David? Well, you look at the length of their clothing. And the reason why is because back in the day, most people um, were farmers. Most people had to work. and There were no such thing as like, uh, I shouldn't say no such thing. Just majority of the people had to go into the fields and work. But if you have long sleeves, it's not practical for work. And it's purposefully done that way. It's because, well, they don't work. And so it's kind of like, we are nobility. And so Jacob makes Joseph this long tunic to communicate to everybody else. This one is special. And the way that we know this is, as you keep reading, verses 13 and 14 of chapter 37, Jacob instructs Joseph, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said then come back and bring me a report so jacob sent him on his way and joseph traveled to shechem from their home in the valley of hebron so notice here all of joseph's brothers they have to go to shechem and they've got to pull hard yards they've got to work the sheep but joseph he gets to stay home with his dad he doesn't have to work the sheep and his clothing communicates that instead Joseph is given the job of manager or overseer. Hey, go check up on your brothers, come back and give me a report. And so the brothers understand when dad dies, guess who's gonna be in charge? The guy with the long jacket, right? And so this bothers them to no end and they're just very, very jealous of Joseph and the family dynamic at that point in time is um, quite unhealthy. So, Joseph is destined for success. He's destined to be in charge and his brothers don't like it. And so what ends up happening, and I'm just going to fast forward through chapter 37, the brothers see Joseph coming along and they make this plan like, hey, let's capture him. Let's just get rid of him. And what ends up happening is uh, one of the brothers kind of says, hey, look, It's not going to look good if we kill our younger brother. Let's just kind of sell him off to traders. And so there's some Midianite traders that come along, and they sell Joseph into slavery. And Joseph ends up getting sold as a slave to Egypt. This is the first point that I want to make about success. And that is, um, it's really difficult to pinpoint and determine what defines success. And the reason why is because there's that saying, your strength is your weakness. The very thing that leads to your success oftentimes is the very thing that kind of leads to our demise, if you will. It ends up being a detrimental thing. And here in in the case of Joseph... That's what happens. He's born into a wealthy, large family, but his brothers backstab him and sell him off into slavery. Joseph is born into favor. His dad loves him, but it's that favor that kind of triggers that animosity and that jealousy. And that leads to Joseph getting ostracized and basically kicked out of the family. It's really hard to kind of pinpoint and define success a more modern application. I don't know if you're familiar with Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin was seen as a successful cryptocurrency in 2017 and based on rapid growth and value um, it basically drew in a lot of investors and a lot of people became really really wealthy Um, but earlier this month Uh, Cryptocurrencies in general lost over $206 billion overnight in what is now being called the crypto collapse. I have a friend um, who's uh, interested in investing and he, um, (laughs) he, he bought $20 worth of Bitcoin for his cat. And he kind of did it just to kind of like as a joke, and and when when it crashed, he's like, oh no, my cat who used to have twenty dollars worth of Bitcoin only has twelve dollars and fifty cents worth of Bitcoin, and he's kind of like poor cat, you know. <laughs> now the cat can't shout dinner for anyone, and you know there there are people like Warren Buffett who are saying cryptocurrency is definitely going to bust. And the volatile nature of cryptocurrency is the thing that made it valuable. It's like, hey, we can get rich. But it's that volatility that uh, probably has caused people to lose their savings as well. And so how do you define, obtain, and sustain success? So today, uh, we're going to be looking at three lessons on success from the life of Joseph. And the overarching theme of this Sermon is let God bring success Let God bring success and what do I mean by that and so the first point is prioritize the relationship over the resource Prioritize the relationship Over the resource. Here's what I mean by that go to Genesis chapter 39 and we're going to pick up on the story of Joseph as he is a slave in Egypt Genesis chapter 39 starting from verses 2 and reading to verse 3. The Bible says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. There's another psalm. Psalm 37, verse 3 and 4, that says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oftentimes, it's easy, for, uh, it's easy to want God to give us stuff. God, just give me what I want. But here in this, uh, here in this passage, God asks, I want you to want me first. I want you to want me first and then I'll give you what you want now that seems kind of odd because the question is why doesn't he just give us what we want it's like God I want this just give it to me and then ah, I'll know you're God but what God is trying to communicate here is in prioritizing himself we become responsible with the resource that he gives us in prioritizing himself we become responsible with the resource that he gives us. It's as if God is saying, I want to give you success. I want to give you stuff that you want. But I need to make sure you know what to do with it once I've given it to you. So many people get fame, fortune, power, and instead of being a blessing to others, they abuse what they have. So God says, delight yourself in me first. Before you focus on the resource, focus on the relationship. Let me be what you want. Then I'll give you the other stuff. You'll know how to handle it. So Genesis 39 reintroduces us to Joseph with this opening line. The Lord was with Joseph. Relational. And he became a successful man. Resource. Oftentimes we shy away from preaching the fact that God wants to bless us because we don't want to sound too prosperity gospely. It's kind of like, come to God and he'll make you a millionaire. And it's kind of like, we don't want that to be the reason for people to be faithful because then we come across as shallow, superficial, and yeah, basically prosperity gospel-y. But um and also from the front i've heard people say you know don't pray for that ferrari don't don't pray don't pray to become a millionaire but i wonder what would happen if our desire were so strong towards god that the material things that we tend to fixate on were to fade into the background what would happen why wouldn't god give more why wouldn't god give the million dollars why wouldn't god give the ferrari if he knew that we were going to use those things to serve others and to help those that were in need why wouldn't god give me a ferrari if he knew you know what i'm going to sell it and feed the homeless do you know what i mean there's a tendency to walk away from god when we don't get what we want and i think this first principle addresses that tendency god wants to bless he wants to give success but he says let me bring success prioritize the relationship over the resource the second point that um, i noticed from the story of joseph is success is just as much about character as it is competency success is just as much about character as it is competency genesis chapter 39 verses 4 5 and 6. the story says this pleased potiphar so he soon made joseph his personal attendant he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned from the day joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property the lord began to bless potiphar's household for joseph's sake all his household affairs ran smoothly his crops and livestock flourished so potiphar gave joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned with Joseph there he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he ate Joseph is competent he is a competent manager he takes care of Potiphar's finances he he takes care of the personnel that live in Potiphar's mansion he takes care of the crops Joseph knows how to work hard and he is competent at the end of verse 6, it also says he's really good looking. So, you know, that, that was also a pretty good thing. But if you keep reading the story, and I'm just going to narrate for you in verse 7, he catches the eye of Potiphar's wife, and she wants her some Joseph. She sees Joseph, and she's just like, hey, like come on over here. And the Bible says that she does this day after day after day. And what I want to highlight here is not just the fact that Joseph turns away from her advances, but it's how he turns away from her that highlights his heart. If you look at verse 9, Genesis 39, verse 9, when Joseph turns away from Potiphar's wife, he says, No one here has more authority than I do. He, Potiphar, has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. I love how Joseph acknowledges God as the reason to turn away in a moment of temptation. And I'm just being transparent here. In my own life, so much of the reasoning behind my righteousness is found in myself. Um, Oh, I shouldn't do that because that's not what a Christian should do. And if I were or excuse me, oh, I shouldn't do that because uh, I'm a pastor. If I were to give in to this temptation, then what kind of a person, what kind of a pastor would that make me? But when I look at Joseph's reasoning, his righteous act has nothing to do with how he's worried about what, how people perceive him. He's simply concerned about what God thinks. Joseph's source of strength to turn from temptation is founded on a relationship with God out of genuine care for what God thinks, not a self-righteous quest for purity. And I kind of wonder in moments of temptation, if we actually thought, God, how is this going to make you feel? How does this make you feel that I'm struggling with this right now? If I give in or if I don't give in, how does this make you feel? I wonder how that would change um, our lives. I really think this is a secret to overcoming temptation when becoming Uh, excuse me, when becoming righteous is more about strengthening that relational connection to Christ than it is about achieving a status of holiness, I think true strength can be found. I think freedom from sin becomes a joyful experience rather than a miserable, fearful existence. So in summary, Joseph cares about God. This gives him strength to turn away from Potiphar's wife day after day after day. Psalm 37 verses 5 and 6 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. So when God brings success, it means he gets to define what that success looks like. And in the story of Joseph and here in Psalm 37, God places character or righteousness as value. Or he, 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 he highlights it as something that's valuable. Being righteous or having an upstanding character is what it means to be successful. Usually when you apply for a job the majority of questions revolve around competency. Nobody asks you, have you ever cheated on your partner in an interview? Because that's not seen as something that's important in being successful in a job. But apparently, nobody asked Harvey Weinstein or Kevin Spacey about misconduct in the interviews. And hence, you um, have successful people who are now becoming unsuccessful because of character. When it comes to God, Character is just as important as competency. The difficult thing about God's success is that sometimes being righteous or doing the right thing will make you poor. And that's certainly the case for Joseph. Back to Genesis chapter 39. And I'm just going to narrate verses 11 to 18. Genesis chapter 39, reading verses 11 to 18. The Bible says that one day when no one else is around, Potiphar's wife grabs Joseph by the cloak and she demands, Come sleep with me. And Joseph basically runs out of the room and he leaves his garment behind. She's so embarrassed that when her husband comes back home, she says, Look what happened. Joseph took off his clothes and I screamed. And he was so afraid because he was trying to take advantage of me and, and, and abuse me that he left the room. And I'm kind of wondering, what did Potiphar think at this moment? Like, what's going through his mind? And it's kind of like, hold on, let me get this straight. Joseph comes into the room, takes off his clothes, and he's going to tr- take advantage of you. And you start screaming. Uh, if I were Potiphar, I would kind of think, what about before he took off his clothes? Like... Why did you scream after he took off the clothes? Like, at what point between clothes on and clothes off did you realize this is not going to turn out well? (laughs) Like, the story doesn't make sense. And I think Potiphar gets it. And the reason why I say this is because Joseph gets sent to prison. And um, if you're a foreign slave to an official of the king of Egypt and you try to rape that official's wife, you're not going to prison, you're getting executed, for sure. And what happens here is, Joseph gets sent to prison. And the Bible says that Potiphar is angry, but it doesn't say why he's angry. And I really think that Potiphar is angry because of his wife, rather than that Joseph. He's so angry that this woman is kind of like, this unfaithful lying person and he's like what do i do now i have to save face because i'm the official of the king and so he sends joseph to prison if you look at verse 20 it gives you a little bit of detail about joseph's prison it says so he took joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held now what kind of a prison do the king's prisoners stay in And I'm pretty sure it's not like Pentridge staying next to Ned Kelly. Like this is like the five-star prison. (laughs) This is where like the A-list celebrities go when they get into trouble. And so I think Potiphar feels this um, pity for Joseph. And so he sends him into the best prison that he can. And the Bible says here that Joseph experiences success even in prison. So this leads me to the final point. The third lesson, don't let outward circumstance determine whether or not you are successful. Don't let outward circumstance determine whether or not you are successful. Joseph was in a very wealthy family and he got sold as a slave. But not once in Genesis chapter 37 does the Holy Spirit inspire the author to say that Joseph is successful while he's with his family. But Joseph is a slave in Potiphar's house, and the Bible says he's successful. Joseph is a prisoner stripped of everything he has, and the Bible says Joseph is successful. Genesis chapter 39 verse 23 The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. See, if we let outward circumstances determine success, we can lose sight of that which actually leads to success. A relationship with God. Developing character over competency. Hard work. Success is achieved by valuing the internal over the external. Success is not a destination or moment. It's a way of living. As you practice consistency in the eternal, the external will change. I have been getting in the habit of watching um, post-game press conferences with athletes, and it's so interesting. The guys that are champions and how they deal with loss versus um, the people who are not champions and deal with, lo- with loss. The guys that are champions are kind of like, whenever they get asked those silly questions from the reporter, like, um, so why do you think you lost? Or, you know, did you lose or did the other team win? And, 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 and their response is kind of like, you know what, losses happen. You just You put hard work in, sometimes it works in your favor and sometimes it doesn't. And uh, I, I love. Uh, there's a guy named Richard Sherman, and uh, he's he's, um, corner, he's a corner. He's uh, a cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks. I'm from Seattle. I watch Gridiron, or, or I follow Gridiron. Anyway, um, one reporter asked him like this silly question. He says, "I'm not going to answer that." And the guy says why And he says because i'm a champion <laughs> and basically he's like i don't have to answer your silly question like if it works it works and you're going to see it by the end of the season and i just i love that confidence because even though he's lost he's saying you can't change the fact that i put the work of a champion in and therefore there should be a degree of acknowledgement and respect and i think it's the same principle here where in the bible it's saying internalize the characteristics of what it means to be a champion and the external circumstances may change it might not but it doesn't change the fact that you are that champion so what happens at potiphar's house happens again in prison for joseph he experiences success it would have been easy for Joseph to give up on God and give up in general but you see him living his life the way he has been and in Joseph's story we see him going from the prison to the palace because Joseph is consistent in these three principles so just in summary once again let God bring success prioritize the relationship over the resource Success is just as much about character as it is competency and don't let outward circumstances determine whether or not you are successful. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Let God bring you success. As you live in the most livable city in the world, where everybody is doing something and making something of themselves, I think, or it's my prayer that as you cling to God, may He make you successful. May God bless you.